Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. It's week four of college football season. K-State dropped a tough game at Missouri on a 61-yard walk-off field goal. Now they get set to come back home and take on UCF for the night's first ever Big 12 game. Before we get into that, we want to let you know we are sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. Remember to elevate your tailgate this season with our friends from Booth Creek Wagyu. Their ranch is located just north of Manhattan and proudly raises authentic Wagyu beef from farm to table. Visit their retail locations in Manhattan and Overland Park or online at boothcreekwagyu.com. Well, Monty, last week I don't think went how anybody anticipated K-State loses to Missouri. I know none of us predicted that. Nobody in the mess in the comment section predicted that. Um, K-State fans everywhere were shocked, but wow, that was one heck of a game. You know, um, that, that's the crazy thing about football. You never know what you're going to get. That's what makes it fun. K-State is used to being the underdog, and I felt like we were the favorite going into this game, and I felt like we were the, I still feel like we were the better team. Um, they just got – they had our number that day. Um, I take – responsibility for it because I predicted that we would go 11-1 and regular season. This is true. So this is the one loss. That's the good news. So uh, the loss is out of the way. We're rolling from here on out. <laughs> you know, we think back to last year and we had this similar conversation going into week one of the Big 12. K-State comes off of a disappointing non-conference loss. This time it was at home against Tulane. Mm-hmm. Now it's on the road against an opponent who, I mean, the line was only four. And I know both of us predicted bigger spreads than that, but I mean, Missouri came to play. Credit them. You look at Luther Burden. K-State held him to six yards in Manhattan, 114 yards. It was something like 80-something after the catch with two touchdowns. He was a man on a mission. He played well, and not not taking anything from him. He's a a five-star guy for a reason. Um, He's probably one of the more prized recruits that Missouri has had in recent history. But on the flip side, too, um, we both are at the game, so you can see everything happen. Our DBs took horrible angles um, at points to make tackles that they normally don't do, and they allowed him to get upfield. And when you allow an explosive receiver to uh, take the angle and get around the corner on you, bad things will happen, and it did. I, I specifically remember on that last play, that last touchdown he had, K-State was in man coverage across the board. They ran deep routes everywhere with the mm-hmm. intention of, hey, we think Luther Burden can make your guys miss. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Brady Cook pump fake down the field, threw a little bubble route to Luther Burden, and K-State couldn't catch up to him. Credit Missouri's blocking on that. I know that a lot of folks saw at the very end there may or may not have been a hole that didn't get called. Right. Watching it live, I thought it was. Um, they didn't call it. Guy had a great job, maintained his block, and he walks into the end zone. 
I feel like that is a learning moment for these D-backs. And we said they were going to get tested. I still maintain after watching those guys, that's the best receiving core K-State might go against all year besides Texas. And even then, those Missouri receivers were legit, and they had a great test. The D-backs did mm-hmm. on Saturday against those guys. Yeah, Missouri offense, I'm not sure who the offensive coordinator is, but he did a good job of putting together schemes. And uh, he did a lot of things with motion and forced our DBs to be good with their eyes and to readjust after the uh, formation was initially set. And then he put their, their playmakers in space, or he gave them advantages against linebackers or against safeties on one-on-one situations, and that took advantage of it. Now, I'm pretty sure K-State, prepared throughout the week and Missouri showed some things that they hadn't put on tape yet mm-hmm. and then when it's early in the season that's going to happen uh, the good news is I feel like K-State is still in a good position to move forward you know I'd rather us you know I hate for us to lose but if you're going to lose lose early and, and lose to a non-conference opponent and if you're going to lose also it's a power five team on the road and it took a crazy uh, field goal to win the game. So a loss is a loss, but it's a lot to build on. I agree with that. And I think K-State getting dropped out of the rankings this week was completely un- un- unjustifiable. Right. I understand why it happened. You know, we always sit here and say the national media never seems to give this program very much credit. True. Um, go from 15 to unranked and Missouri doesn't even get ranked. Yeah. How do you beat a top 15, top 15 team at home? You're in the SEC. You're undefeated through non-conference play and you're not ranked. I didn't understand that. Um, I don't think K-State's that far away. I actually think if they beat UCF and some teams in the in, towards the bottom of the top 25 lose, K-State should sneak back in there. I still believe this is a, a top 15 team. Um, there is talent on that team. It just, you know, it, it wasn't there on Saturday. And right. um, Brady Cook, 356 yards through the air. Credit to him. He beat K-State. We sat here and said, if Brady Cook can beat you, then he can beat you. Yep. And, and he did. Yep. So credit K-State. Or excuse me, credit Brady Cook for that. He played the game of his life. Um, I want to talk about some of the decisions that the K-State made on offense, specifically um, before we get into the negative side, how they used Ben Sennett in that game. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with how they were able to respond. Ben Sennett, over 70 yards receiving, had one catch for five yards the previous week, goes off on Saturday. If there was anything positive to take away, I think it's that Ben Sennett, even when team's game plan for him mm-hmm. is finding a way to make a difference. Yeah, I was happy. You know, I'm a big fan of, of, of Ben, and, and I was happy to see him get his hands on the ball and, and the one play when he hurled the guy, and it was, it was a highlight. And so being there, it was even more fun when the K-State fans cheered for him. Uh, but, no, getting him the ball more definitely worked out. And, and now, knowing what we know, Moving forward into next week, and we'll talk about it in the next segment, um, he's going to play even a bigger role mm-hmm. uh, coming up next week and moving forward. So it's good to see him get get going and to get into more plays. So, yeah. I was very impressed with some of the goal line um, scenarios that K-State was dealt with. Felt like three – I believe it was three times where they had touchdowns called back, yeah. and they still scored a touchdown every single time. Ironically, the only time they didn't score a touchdown on a goal to go was at the very end when they had to kick a field goal when they probably needed it the most. Um, but the jump pass from Will Howard to yeah. Ben Sennett was beautiful. There was a play design um, where K-State sent Phillip Brooks in motion across the formation, got the eyes of the D-backs to flow that way. Everybody ran routes to the right except for Ben Sennett who ran to the left and he was wide open. So credit Colin Klein um, on that front. Well, how did you assess the offensive lines play? Because in the beginning, I felt like they struggled a little bit, mm-hmm. started to figure it out towards the end. Yeah, they we had spurts of where well, we looked dominant, like the team that we thought we would. In reference to the O line, they they moved the crowd. But then there were times also where there were missed assignments, and also there were times where we got false starts or penalties, and that didn't look like the case. Mm-hmm. The O line that we anticipated, but I feel like. 
going into the third game and in somewhat of a hostile environment, they they improved. Not to the point where we expected them to be at game three, but they did make improvements. So that's something to be positive about moving forward as well. But you and I both, we not saying that we uh, are impatient, but we expect a lot out of this group. Mm-hmm. And we want to see these guys dominate. So hopefully they turn that corner and that domination comes out next week. And they get their starting right tackle back. Christian yes. Duffy expected to play anywhere from 20 to 30 snaps, according to Chris Kleiman. Uh, I have a feeling Duff might talk him in closer to 40. Right. We'll see how that goes um, and if it's a close game and they need him. But that's going to help. Yeah. That's going to help that offensive line. I thought the defensive line, going back to the defensive side, as we talk about the interior, played outstanding. Yep. They limited Missouri to, again, about two yards per rush, except for the long, big run. Yep. Um, and I, I think you can credit that to um, this is some of the on the linebacking course, specifically Daniel Green. We'll talk about him here in a second. He's playing hurt mm-hmm. he got sucked down inside and it opened up a giant hole that Cody Trader was able to run through that set up that Luther Burden touchdown um, but I thought the defensive line and the linebackers had a great game it really just came down to tackling in space yeah you're right guys were in position uh, to make the play I feel like the scheme wasn't a bad scheme and, and, and like Missouri did a good job they countered an aggressive K-State defense and, and they put plays in at the right time to thinking and scenario percentage-wise when case they blitz or they're being pressure and they got behind us. And when we were in position to make a play in open field, we didn't make those tackles. Uh, I can imagine Coach Klein had those guys doing several ta- tackling circuits all week, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready for this week. But like you said, every team at some point has a letdown. And in case they as bad as we played, we were still in the game. Mm-hmm. So that's something to be positive about as well. So uh, before we talk about the offensive packages and specifically the guy with long hair who everybody seems to be talking about might be the quarterback this week in Avery Johnson, uh, I want to ask you about the D-backs because I know that some people are concerned about what's going on with Van Malone and Joe Klinerman's uh, group, but uh, to me, I, I go back and I watch that game and I look at the balls that Brady Cook throws and I look at some of these catches that Mizzou made – they just the teams that Casey had played had not had the type of quarterbacks who were able to put the ball in between the numbers. They didn't have the tight end who was able to go up along the sideline, get his feet taken out, and still make the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt like, for the most part, when K-State was there, they had good coverage. It was just the quarterback making a really good throw, besides the miscommunication, which I think is a whole other story. But how would you assess the D-backs play? They were they were a step away. Um, they, they understood the assignment. Like you said, except for the busted play early, um, there was obviously miscommunication because the guy was wide open in the end zone. But I feel like they understood what was going on. It was a good game plan, but that level of intensity hadn't quite hit, uh, kicked in yet because the first two games prior, like you said, the level of competition as quarterback wasn't the same as Cook. And and you know what, though? If you look at the, the silver lining, in case they had a formidable opponent, opponent excuse me, going into a conference week, that's what you want mm-hmm. because you don't want to play uh, a, a, a powder puff or a lesser opponent and then go into conference play next week thinking you're good and then end up getting beat first game of conference, yeah, you played a good team in Mizzou who was undefeated, and now you know what's going on. And so now you have to, this week in practice, you got to turn it up a little bit. I think DBs played well, not great. Uh, we had spurts where we had opportunities, and we didn't finish the play. Yeah, and I, I still am high on this group. I, I go back to Will Lee, junior college transfer. Yeah. No Power 5 experience. Jacob Parrish, a true sophomore, who, by the way, had a very good game. Yeah, he did. Marquis Siegel, a guy that a lot of people are talking about this week, 
changes positions from corner to safety, moves up a level to power five, mm-hmm. is thrust into that starting role, and it's only his second game after yep. being suspended for the first game. Yep. He's the one, really, who was tasked with guarding Luther Burden. They put him in the slot a lot and really exposed him. So I, I am not fully on board with, oh, there's major issues in the secondary. Did they play well? I don't think they played well. Right. But that doesn't mean that there's major issues. We've yeah. talked about the offensive line. They're starting to figure things out. They're going to figure things out. If there's any coaches, if there's any coach on the staff to figure it out, I would trust the defensive coordinator and the associate head coach. I'm not worried about the secondary. I'm not. And I, I, I don't know. For the people that are giving um, flack to those guys, I, I would just say, be patient because there is a good opportunity that a bounce back week will happen, especially when you look at who's on the schedule in UCF with the backup quarterback and Oklahoma State who plays three backup quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not concerned. Like I said, I, I hate for us to lose. But, you know, to our fan base, it's easy to get frustrated because I wanted to be Missouri just like the next man. And when we lost to Missouri, yeah, that was a that was a bump. That was a, not a good day. It was one of those <laughs> things where you're driving home and you're thinking like, man, what are we going to do? But then – when you look at the light at the end of the tunnel, we're going to be okay. We will make adjustments. Klanderman has a great reputation of going back to the drawing board, looking at what we did wrong, correcting it in a short period of time, and getting the boys ready to play the next week. And I guarantee come Saturday night when you, uh, Central Florida rolls into town, the Cats will be ready to play. I agree with that. And before we get into that, we got to go through some injuries. I mentioned Daniel Green. Right. Coach Kleiman announced on Tuesday he is out for the season with a torn pec. First of all, prayers out to Daniel Green. What an immense leader for this program. He's dedicated his whole entire last five years to K-State. So prayers out to Daniel. He is still going to be around the team. Um, Another guy, Jake Clifton, who's been out. They say they won't get him back until after the bye week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got the offensive side, which is where some of the questions lie. Will Howard, potentially questionable for UCF. Treshawn Ward, doubtful, according to Coach Kleiman. At the quarterback position, we saw Avery Johnson come in and get some reps. He didn't throw the ball, right. but he ran the ball very well. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, like I said, and I've said this before, uh, it's a blessing in disguise. I hate that Will is injured. Uh, I never wish any injury on any player, especially our Cats. But him being injured in the game and knowing that he's questionable for for, uh, for Saturday's game, that allows Coach uh, Klein and Coach Kleinman to prep Avery, or whoever it may be, I'm mm-hmm. guessing it'll be Avery, prep Avery uh, more with the ones this week going into the game if needed and, and open up playbook more because I guarantee they probably didn't have him, uh, they weren't anticipating him playing a whole lot last Saturday, but this week the probability is probably a lot higher, so it allows him to get ready to play if needed, and hopefully he, he gets opportunity. For what it's worth, I thought Avery ran the ball extremely well. He did. Now, they, Coach Klein, excuse me, Coach Kleiman said after the game that there was some reads that maybe they didn't get extremely correct but if you didn't know the play call you'd have no idea i mean the guy springs for six yards five yards puts his team in in second and short i think k-state if it is indeed avery johnson on saturday is going to be just fine we will talk about that and much more in the second half you're listening to the friday walkthrough we'll be back after this short message okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. We're sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. As we get into this second half, K-State, UCF, don't call them Central Florida. 
UCF fans get very frustrated when you call UCF Central Florida. Uh, the, the Knights come to Manhattan for the second time in program history. Do you remember the first time? I don't. 2010, the Storm game, the infamous oh, picture that, at Oh, is that Bills. it really? Wow, I didn't know. I, I'm, I remember the Storm, but I didn't realize we played Central. Sorry, UCF. <laughs> at the time, maybe UCF. Central Florida. Gotcha. I didn't realize we played UCF. It Got, was the Storm game that. with the iconic storm clouds, just prototypical Kansas. Wow. If you've seen that picture, if you haven't, Google it. You'll think it's interesting. I didn't do a shout-out. K-State didn't win. You don't get a shout-out. But... We'll ask for MVP again. So, I didn't mention this at the top, but I'm mentioning it now. If you're still watching, comment below who you think is going to be the MVP of Saturday. And if you throw a score prediction in there and get it right, you'll you'll for sure get, uh, get a shout-out. So, right. that is the first order of business. The second order of business is breaking down the Knights. You mentioned it. Chris Dawson, the strength coach, formerly of K-State, now at UCF. There's a tie right there. Right. But that's about all the familiarity there is between these two programs. UCF's first game in the Big 12. They're 3-0. and The stats are ridiculous. I'll read them here in a second. But, I mean, you've experienced teams playing in a conference for the first time. Right. What What are those emotions like? It's a, it's a lot of emotions. It's one of those things where they're not... The good thing for them, they're not alone in joining the conference. So then there are other schools coming in as well. But there's a lot of excitement. Uh, not Outside of football, their fan base. How many people from UCF have actually been to Manhattan, Kansas? Not very many. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there'll be fans traveling up from Florida for the game to come to Manhattan. They don't know what to expect. They're probably thinking Wizard of Oz, which a lot of people <laughs> do. But, and that's fine. Once they get here, they think they find out Manhattan is a rocking place. So, But uh, as, as a player... I'm pretty sure, and like I said, Coach Dawson uh, is, has some ties there. I'm pretty sure he's let those guys know some, somewhat what to expect, the environment, you know, the pride in Manhattan. But as a player, you're excited. You want to uh, leave an impression right away that, you know what, we, we're thankful that we're in this conference, but we're not the whooping boy. We're here to, to win and play with the big dogs right away. So I guarantee UCF has the same attitude. And you listen to Gus Melzahn talk at his press conference – Formerly of Auburn, came to K-State in 2014, an infamous game where Auburn barely got out of there with a win. Um, He has nothing but good things to say about K-State. He's let his players know how tough it's going to be to play in Manhattan. You throw in the fact that it's a 7 o'clock game, 8 o'clock Eastern time for UCF, so it is a little bit of a time change for them. Don't think that's going to have a major difference, especially considering the same team went out and played a night game in Boise, Idaho. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's very cool that UCF is finally into this conference. They got a good team. There's no doubt about it. Um, but it, it'll be fascinating. I've heard that there's a lot of UCF fans that are planning on coming up for the game. I think that's really cool. It's a significant game in the program's history, so it'll be interesting to watch. But let's get into this night team. Like I mentioned, 3-0, two blowout wins. Their one close game was a walk-off field goal at Boise State, not the Boise State of old, mm-hmm. very similar to K-State. Yeah. Two pretty easy wins. Um, first game was against Toledo. Third game was against Villanova. They had the Boise game mixed in there. They were they went on the road and won that game. But just like K-State, they're also dealing with injuries. Mm-hmm. At the quarterback position, Timmy McLean, South Florida transfer, in at quarterback. It's got to be a challenge to make your first ever road start with your new school as a backup in their first ever new conference game, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of emotions for him. Yeah, and not to mention a night game where that makes a difference. As a player, I as a player, I don't think a lot of people realize how much of a difference, especially with defense size. So I guarantee K 
K-State's defense, understanding that he's a backup quarterback and understanding they have to make a, make up for a lackluster performance last week, mm-hmm. they're going to get at it. And, and I can see a lot of pressure on him and, and make him very uncomfortable early and often. But, yeah, it should be um, a great experience. Hopefully our fans come out and they're loud and make him uncomfortable. And, and it'll be interesting to see how he responds uh, being the starter for the first time this year. 40 points per game for this UCF offense. 299 rush yards per game and 6.4 yards per rush. Those are both first in the nation. Again, we've mentioned the opponents they've played. Uh, At the running back position is R.J. Harvey, Johnny Richardson. Timmy McClain is very much a running quarterback. He's a lefty. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll ask you about that here in a second. But this team runs the ball. That is what they do. They go up tempo, but they also control the clock. They run the football. K-State doesn't give up rushing yards. They do not give up rushing yards. They are the number one team in the nation when it comes to yards per rush. That matchup in the trenches is going to be something. It is, and and, and I'm glad you said that because I think about like their first three games, um, Boise State was the the, the known name, Mm -hmm. I guess. They're not the Boise State of old, but that's the known name. For us, facing a rushing team, we faced Troy two weeks ago, and I feel like that Troy offense, the offensive line, that running back game they had, Gave us a good test, and we we were up for the challenge. I think we'll be the same way coming against UCF as well. Yeah, you run the you run the ball, but K State historically has had one of the top run defenses in the Big Twelve over the last couple of years, just because that's what we do. And I think that's going to be in our favor come Saturday. Are you worried at all about the loss of Daniel Green? I mean, obviously he's a captain on the team. You talk to those guys, and they're visibly shaken, and understandably so. I mean, he is a coach on the field, but. From a performance perspective, you got Austin Romaine, the true freshman, stepping in there. Asa Newsom probably going to see some more time too, um, another true freshman. But are you worried at all about the loss, the loss of production with without Daniel Green for this game specifically? I'm not. I'm not. And the reason I say that too because we've had three different backups come in and play significant time early in the game, and they understand what's going on. So. Uh, with the loss of Daniel Green, somebody's going to be named starter, but there'll be two other guys that'll be rotating in, in addition to another guy that normally wouldn't rotate in, probably will now mm-hmm. with, with uh, Daniel being gone. So we have depth, we have experience, we have guys that play together as well, know what's going on. So I don't think there'll be any drop off, if any, at all. I could see Austin more even elevating his game a little bit. Mm-hmm. He seems to be that kind of guy that when the going gets tough, he gets going. Because yep. he is tough. He's a guy. And I, it wouldn't shock me at all for him to have a monster game against UCF. He is so um, quick and he evades blocks. It's it's really incredible to watch. I don't think UCF is going to be prepared for that. He's kind of hard to prepare for. Um, I expect Austin Moore to have a massive game. Staying on that side of the football, with a known run team, this is what UCF likes to do. Do we see some more pressure? Do we see some more blitzes? Maybe some corner blitzes. We've seen Wally likes to hit, but we haven't seen him come in on very many corner blitzes. I mean, if you're the defensive coordinator, if you're Joe Klanerman, you're probably dialing up some pressure this week. Yeah, absolutely. But we got to keep in mind, too, uh, we we can't dial up pressure until we get him to third and long. Mm-hmm. You, and I think we have to be really good on first down and solid on second down. And if we can get them uh, anything third and five or, or more, He's absolutely bringing the pressure because that quarterback, uh, he doesn't have any game experience. And I, I'm kind of curious to see how the O-line holds up against pressure. And it's one of the things you can dial up a blitz. And if you have mediocre defensive ends or mediocre D-tackles, yeah, the blitz is nice, but they don't work as well mm-hmm. uh, with those guys. We got guys on the edge that can get after it. So that puts them in sometimes one-on-one uh, uh, matchups as well along with the blitz. So that quarterback – 
if he doesn't step up in the pocket or if he doesn't get rid of the ball quick, it could be a long day. And UCF has yet to see a three-man front. Uh-huh. So that's also something to keep in mind. Um, the center position for UCF has been a position they've struggled with. They had some bad snaps last week. Gus Malzahn talked about it in his press conference. They're just going to pick somebody and roll with it. He didn't announce who, right. but they've been rotating guys in there. So keep an eye on Uso Sayamalu. Yes. That's going to be a guy that if the center position struggles, Uso might have a massive game. You were in my mind. As you were, as you were talking, I thought about Uso. And this is one of those things where he's had good games against quality centers. So if they have a center that struggles, no matter who it is, look for him to do a little more slants. And, you know, they probably double him. And if they double him, that's going to open up somebody. And whoever it may be, hopefully they have a big day as well. Flipping over to the offensive side, we've got to talk about the quarterback position before we talk about anything else. Like we mentioned off the top, Will Howard questionable to play in this game. I personally would be a little surprised if we see Will Howard. Mm -hmm. They have this week, then they have the bye week, and then they get Oklahoma State. If they think they can win this game without Will Howard, then you start Avery Johnson. And from all indications, it sounds like if Will doesn't go, Avery will get the start, but we still might see some Jake Rubley. Um, If Avery, Avery is the guy. Right. What do you expect to see from him on Saturday? I think they'll start him off slow. Um, he's been great in the run game, the QB run game. Coach Kleinman and Coach Klein have done a good job of getting him comfortable, putting him in positions where he can uh, make simple reads and then just use his natural talent. I feel like the O-line and the offense, and, and, and it's no matter who you are, whenever a backup quarterback comes in, everybody games elevates because they want to protect him more because he's not the he's not the starter but when he's well liked as a backup guys get even more excited about it and they give even more effort which is crazy but that's just how it goes and i think the o-line the running backs and the offense as a whole is going to elevate more because they understand that with will not playing avery although he he is young and inexperienced the dude is a baller he's a he's a god-given talent and he's exciting and then he can do it with his arm and with his legs so yeah i don't think it's any stretch to say that he is the future of k-state i would yeah the next two years this team's probably going to be his this could be a great litmus test just to kind of see where he's at and if k-state can find a way to sneak by with a win you got to be feeling really good not only about this year but about the future of the program as well looking at this defense for ucf they run a four-man front a lot of nfl type bodies there's not a lot of long and lengthy guys like Mizzou had Tyrone Hopper he was a, an edge guy right. he still had played with his hand in the ground UCF is more the typical big bulky guys at the defensive end position their leading tackler however is Josh Selassar he is the leading tackler for the Knights at defensive end yeah. um, so to me that just says he's a guy who's able to get off blocks and make some uh, some plays at the line of scrimmage so K-State will have to deal with him we'll see how Christian Duffy and KT Leviston handle the defensive end but Along with that four-man front, K-State is still going to try and run the ball. It gets a little bit more difficult without Treshawn Ward. But I really believe DJ Giddens, and with Christian Duffy back at right tackle, DJ Giddens is up for this. Yeah, I think K-State is going to come out early, no matter who's a quarterback, and they're going to have to set the tone. They're going to have to establish a line of scrimmage and basically uh, impose our will on, on UCF defensive line and defense as a whole. I feel like we're the better team as a whole, offenses versus our defense. And like you said, they have some guys that are NFL-type bodies to a certain extent, but I feel like as a, as a whole, we run the ball better than a lot of teams uh, in our conference, if not in the nation, when healthy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like K-State needs to get back to that. And if Avery's a quarterback, we'll start that off early and allow the passing game to open up. But I feel like we have to do a really good job of running the ball. And I think D.J. Giddon 
has something to prove as well. He didn't have a bad great game last week either, but I feel like he left a lot lot to be desired last week. So I look forward to him running the ball really hard this come Saturday. When DJ gets in a rhythm, yeah, he is very good. That's what happened in the first game of the season. We'll see if it can happen this week. I would anticipate 85% of the running back snaps going to DJ Giddens. Chris Kleiman said on Tuesday he listed off some guys, some walk-on types who might see that second running back spot. But to me, this is DJ Giddens' game. Yeah, I agree, and I think he he has the build, the, the motivation, and the attitude to do that. And it, he – he, the keys were handed to him when Deuce left. And he, he I think t- Saturday night game, will, he would take over and he'd be ready to roll. I'm excited. He hasn't had any fumbling issues. Knock on wood, that shouldn't be <laughs> something that K-State has to worry about. And Simply, you look at the statistics for this UCF defense, no forced fumbles this year. Yeah. That's kind of a strange statistic for me. They do have three interceptions, but they really don't turn it over at the rate you would expect for a team that's won by a margin that they have. So that could be something. If K-State wins the turnover battle, I think they win this game game so that is definitely something to keep an eye on uh first year defensive coordinator for UCF another key thing to watch they split the share they split the play calling duties that's Addison Williams and David Gibbs both first year defensive coordinators young coaches there is something to being intimidated in your first ever conference game as a as a coach as a player sure but as a coach I I really believe that there is a learning curve there yeah, it's easy, and, and I'll tell you, it's easy to make uh, game plans. And, and, and going into the game, you think you have a plan, and the old famous Mike Tyson saying, you know, everybody has a plan to so get punched in the mouth. But then in the game situation, how do you make adjustments? How fast do you make adjustments? And K-State is notorious for throwing out seven, eight, nine different types of formation and making you adjust and running the same play out of four or five different mm-hmm. formations. So how do you adjust as a defensive coordinator, and how rapid can you get it done? Because uh, you can, if you have to wait to halftime to go in and make adjustments, you're down. 21 points and then what mm-hmm. so that'd be interesting to see how they how they handle the pressure and how they handle a game to this magnitude especially in a new conference as of the day we're recording this uh, the weather is a little up in the air they say there might be some rain in the forecast we'll see what happens but i still anticipate k-state coming out even if will hired plays avery johnson is going to get in the game they will use him on the ground yeah look for a lot of rpos look for a lot of power plays look for some counters i think k-state is going to come out early and try and establish the physicality level Mm -hmm. because the speed is probably fairly even ucf has done a great job of recruiting skill guys but i believe that k-state is going to have the advantage in the trenches you get christian duffy back if there's one key to this game it is winning the line of scrimmage yeah i agree And, and i think but with both teams capabilities and both team styles this first, the first and second quarter might go quick because it's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of runs. And, and it might be kind of boring, to be honest with you. And that's okay as long as we come out on top. But, like, they want to run the ball. That's what they do. That's who they are. And then we want to establish a run just to kind of figure out what our identity is moving forward. And at that point, we can open it up. But I feel like it's going to be a very interesting game the first two quarters. And then the second half, uh, hopefully K-State kind of uh, decides this is what we are, this is what we're going to do, and pull away late. Yeah, and, well, let's get to our predictions as we wrap up the show here. Um, I'll let you go first, Monty. MVP and score prediction. Hmm. MVP, well, I have an asterisk. <laughs> asterisk. Is, uh, so if Avery plays, he's going to be MVP. If he, if he starts the game. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, I'm going with Ben Sennett. 
I think that's all. Is that fair enough? I think that's very okay. fair. Right. Uh, for me, MVP, I'll go MVP and score right off the bat. I am going to say the MVP of this game is going to be DJ Giddens. Okay. I can see him having a huge game. This is a guy, he's waited for his opportunity. Sure, it was kind of his opportunity week one, but now he is the lone feature back. This is a guy who was going to take the opportunity and run with it. And for my score, I'll say 31-21 K-State. I think this game will be very close um, up until the fourth quarter and I think it might even have to be a late touchdown that K-State scores to kind of pull away but I do think this will be a nail biter simply because I think this is going to be a an old school type football game four yards in a cloud of dust what you got for your score I'm gonna go with my score I predicted last week for the Mizzou K-State game I'm going to 35-17. Reason being, I feel like K-State has something to prove. Uh, obviously, UCF has something at stake, but I feel like the pressure is on K-State. They were a top 15 team. Now they're at, out of the top 25. It's a home game, a night game. You're coming off a big loss. Everybody has questions. Uh, not saying the whole nation eyes on you, but the Big 12 nation are eyes on you because you're still the Big 12 champs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people put you back in the Big 12 Championship this year. So the pressure's on us. So I feel like K-State will have more of a sense of urgency and play a, a lot more uh, aggressive early and, and come out with the win. So I say 35-17. There you have it. The score prediction for Monty and I. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Congratulations. You made it to Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game wherever you may be. And we'll talk to you next week. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.